welcome, welcome, welcome to Planning Face Syndicate, episode 84, Weapons Are My Religion. Tonight, we're going to be having a conversation about Kyber Cup standings, a little bit, kind of just a review of uh, where some of the teams are at, who's 3-0, who's not. By the way, we're not. <clears throat> and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the lists, um, if they shall happen to come up. Also, we are going to have a conversation about underutilized pilots and upgrades. Tonight, we are going to be focusing on Fenral crew and the one and only my favorite pilot intent, not really, um, Neonub crew in Rebel. And if that is not enough, we decided to take on a new series. Our new Academy 101 series is going to be called list archetypes how they work what's to do with them and why you need them in your life tonight i have a couple of guests joining me as jj is out and about in connecticut and not able to join us at least this week and possibly for the next three to four weeks um because he's out traveling for work but tonight i have a couple of local favorites joining me right on mic so let's without further ado bring them in please welcome to the show Benchman Warmer and second place side of the state, Ooh. Alex from the Bench Warmers podcast. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, Bench Warmers for a reason. Where's that? Where's that? You did that last week, so you got to come back and say Bench Warmers for a reason. Yeah, you know we're living up to our name. Just got to say that. <laughs> also joining me is the one and only Corey, the flannel man himself. How are you tonight, Corey? Doing great. I like your uh, displays in your background. You looks like you set those up since the last time we had you on. I don't remember you having that many, uh, that big of a display. Oh, maybe. But either which way, tonight is going to be a fun night. We got a couple of people joining us. How was your week, everyone? I know we're a couple of <laughs> days late. We normally cast on Sundays, but tonight was... I was out in Detroit area uh, on Sunday and could not make it back in time. Well, hopefully you guys had some good weekends. Yeah, oh, certainly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really do too much, honestly. I just kind of uh, hung out, watched a couple movies, and just started trying to list build for future, future ideas. How about tried you, Corey? New... What, what, what were you up to this weekend? I uh, tried a new Mexican restaurant in Granville, and it was really, really good. Um, uh, better than I expected by a lot. And then uh, watched a little football and went through all my uh, all my stuff and tried to organize it. So that was quite a challenge, and I failed miserably at organizing everything. <laughs> but uh, I got enough for the for Monday to work. So. Fair enough. Yeah, because you tried a new list on Monday, did you not? I did. I did. It was really fun. So yeah. How did you do? Uh one one lost one. So um, but first time trying it, that's a good good uh start to it. So yeah. So Alex, our group has been kicking around gauntlets. So oh. uh, <laughs> me and Corey and Sean have all been running on and off gauntlet lists over the last couple of weeks, especially after our Kyber Cup experience where the first week 
<laughs> I, I lost the, the 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 week for us, so um, I kind of got a little turned off at playing my list and decided to run dual gauntlets in CIS. Because by the way, you can run five ships, you can run three droids, and two gauntlets in CIS, and it's fun. It's actually a very fun time <laughs> until you hit one another. <laughs> like, I noticed like, you didn't say good. You said fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I didn't. I don't know, Sean. I I only played it against Sean, and Sean ran a Desi gauntlet list so um it was kind of we we went he had three academy ties morna key and um who's the one captain hark is at the 7.1 yeah so it was I a little fun to say you would appreciate this i have been running sicko sicko so great but not in the wussy mode that you run it in i run it with <laughs> like gunship mode so uh barrage rockets fives and dedicated is oh to have a lat gunship is amazing i i ran him with barrage rockets agile gunner and dedicated recently okay all right and you know what i did never oh. shot the barrage rockets well <laughs> what? get better That's i killed crazy. ships i just never <laughs> shot them with barrage rockets i took better shots so yeah, he's pretty awesome. So, and fives is really cool if you do run barrage rockets because you can K turn and still get a focus mm-hmm. if you have one on the card. Good stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about Kyber Cup. So, all three of us are on different teams in the Kyber Cup. Uh, my group is called the Brewing Face. <laughs> so, I don't know why, I don't remember why JJ chose that, but we are the Brewing Face. And then we have the Benchman Best Warmers. And then Corey's is the Cracks. The crack, crack asses? Shots. Oh, crack shots. That's right. Crack asses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, your logo is literally a picture of an ass, so, you know, <laughs> easy to mess up. <laughs> so, Corey, how was your... So, we've, we're two weeks into the league. This is our third week. Um, how has your team been doing? Uh, we are one and one, uh, but only... Well, I would say uh, we got a little help because... Uh, Sean beat somebody the second round, and then the other two people just gave up. So he must have just really just laid into him. Uh, <laughs> so we we we're gonna go to the top of the list because we got twenty and zero is what they they count as a uh, as a draw or as a withdraw. Um, so we're gonna go to the top and just get whipped on. So who are you facing this week? Oh, I don't know. I can How tell you, you in a minute. Well, I my game is Thursday. So I will look it up while you figure other stuff out. All right. Alex, how how is how has your team been doing? Uh we are also one in one, but struggling significantly more than just having people concede to us. Grinding <laughs> <laughs> out games. It's been pretty rough, honestly. So you're playing the casually uninhibited X-wing enjoyers. Oh, is that their name? Yes, I just know they're from the Midwest. Oh, I'm think. sorry. No, no, that's who Corey's playing. Oh, uh, I don't know any of these people. Tough bastard, Alan Fung, and Throwdown Horde. I know I'm playing resi- against Resistance. So Resistance versus. Oh wait, no, I'm. Did he change that? I guess I'm scum. Oh, you should like that okay. matchup. That should be a good matchup for you. Really? I think so. 
I think you're crazy. <laughs> I think you need to have more confidence in yourself, Corey. That's what I think. Uh, what list are you running, Corey? I am running uh, my the the only T seventy that matters, which is LO. Um, so LO with R two D two, crack shot of course, or no predator and heroic, and then tally with crack shot predator ion torps. Kaz with all the normal the tons of upgrade version. Um, Zay and uh, everyone's favorite ship, uh, Finpod, um, with a slight alteration because I have expert handling on them. Because, you know, positioning is everything. (laughs) So, yeah. Five ships. It's really similar to what I ran at um, uh, the Rust Cup. Well, our team is one and one as well. The first week we had two losses and one win. And then last week we had two wins and one draw, which by the way, just so you all know, draws are draws. You don't roll off. So, um, yeah. So last week was a good week for our team. For the most part, um, I went 20 to 10 against SoCo. Um, and then JJ, JJ had a pretty decent, uh, showing with his Vader squad. And then Brendan, they ended up tying the last the last few minutes of the game, unfortunately. Um, and he just wasn't his Kyle just wasn't able to do enough work. But it looks like we have some teams already reporting in. So we currently have four three and O teams um, that have reported in. So the the Andrew Cox, Jeremy Chamberlain, Travis Scott League or team is officially on the board at three and O. Team France is on the board at three and O. Trace Padres, which um, has uh, Bartos and Lucas. I don't know who Carol is off the top of my head, um, but they are three and zero. And then two Ewoks, one Speeder, with <laughs> Scott Olivand, Andrew B, and Andrew Lippins. So, what we'll probably do is we'll probably wait a couple more weeks. If we get some five and O's, we'll probably start going through some of the lists. Um, Really, so far, none of the lists have really stood out to me as anything crazy different. I think Alex and I have probably mo- the more unique list in the whole um, thing there. I, I guess Corey technically does because he run L- he's running LO too. So yeah, I'm sure. <clears> I don't know anybody else who's running LO. Um, There's one other one. Yeah, so like you gotta I meet think, this hero. I think I'm that? one of the few people running Aflax, and you're one of the few people running Elo, and Alex is one of the few people running Oddball. Actually, you were the only person running Oddball in the Y way officially. And I think one of the two running Warthog in the Z95. Yes, so. the only one without a swarm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that's kind of where Kyber Cup is. Um, if you. If you uh, watch some of the streams, Scott has been streaming Kyber Cup every day. They haven't had a lot of people post their stream games, so we haven't been able to pick any up. Um, there's a possibility I'll have one on Friday. Um, my game is going to be Thursday at 6, so I don't think... Um, I don't know if I'll be able to get on Scott's stream or not. I actually might message back and see if we can get on Scott's stream for the last for his last game, um, if my opponent's willing to do that. Um but yeah, it's been a lot harder to pick up games for that one because people have not been turning them in. So, yeah. by the way, I'm playing against uh, dual fire sprays and dirge. So, Corey, you should 
put your name in for the stream thing so that we can stream your your game. Yeah. I will happily stream your game. When did you say it was? Friday night? Uh, sometime Thursday. Okay. Well, as long as it's done at the same time my game is, we'll stream your game. Well, that's when my game is also, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Triple Get cast. your games in there. I'll tell you what. Get your games in there. Greg will happily stream as well. Greg has been um, happy to stream anybody's game, too. So Awesome. Well, why don't we move on to our next segment? Um, our next segment is a little bit different. We haven't done something like this before. And I told you at the beginning of the year, what we wanted to do is come up with a few new segments. And I think one of the big things that X-Wing lacks, especially if you're newer to the, the, the system, right? You know, you're newer to the game <clears throat> is how many upgrades can you take and what should you choose? Right. And I feel like you can netlist things and that's, that's fair, right? You want to be competitive. You want to win games, go ahead and netlist. That's a hundred percent a viable strategy. But if you want to have fun and you want to be a little bit competitive, why not join us in our roll call so that we could talk about underrated pilots and upgrades. So tonight we only have two. If you would like to submit them, we have a list building, a community list building section in our discord. You are welcome to drop a pilot in there. Just say roll call series or just say underutilized pilots. And then, you know, say, this is the one I want you to cover. We will happily cover any of the ones that you have. I just need a few days um, to be able to pull them together and get some images so that we don't look like, <clears throat> so that we don't know, look, look actually what we're talking about. Next week, we'll be covering Raph for Crispy. So just as an FYI, Raph is on the list for next week uh, with FO. And, and again, every faction is open. Um, we will also do extended stuff as well, if you would like, um, though extended is, it's, it'll be good for Nickel City League, but outside of that, it's not, it's, you aren't, playing it a lot in standard um but tonight we have Nub and fen rao and Nub comes to us as a rebel crew Corey, what does Nub do makes all your banks blue yeah seems pretty good right yeah i like that nobody ever runs them though i don't know why maybe it's because of that face on there maybe they look at that face and they're like why, why would i want to run this guy he looks I mean, Lando, Lando Falcon is it's pretty much stapled on that, I would say. Um, but yeah, outside of that, you don't really see it much. The other one that we have is Fen Rao Crew for Rebel and Scum. And Alex, can you tell us what that one says? Uh, he says, before a friendly ship at range zero to two engages, if its revealed maneuver is one or speed one or higher. And there's an enemy ship in its front arc and range one. That friendly ship may remove one non-lock red token. So basically an ion token, right? Or is ion technically orange? Uh, ion is red. Uh, he's Ions are red. But you can do so, that. You can do stress, uh, strain, deplete. Yeah. So it seems pretty good, right? I, I yeah. think I, I think Fenral... And Fenral comes in at six points, right? Or is it four? I think he's four. He's four points. And then I guess we'll see in a minute. And then Neodub comes in at five points. So they are relatively cheap crew that you can take. So guys, what I did is I built a few different pilots out. So <clears throat> a couple different ways. Um, and I will tell you, Han Solo is probably my favorite pilot right now in Rebels. Um, so those were the ones 
that's what we chose. We have one Lando and a couple of Han Solo. So the first build out I have is Han Solo with Neonub, Blaze, Bistan, Tactical Scrambler, because I had two extra points, and Millennium Falcon. What are you guys' thoughts? I so uh I think Bayes is a little bit underrated. I think he's very good on something like a Millennium Falcon, specifically Han, like that. Uh, the ability to do something like bump and get multiple focuses for something that's cheaper than Perceptive Copilot is very good. And with this and Fen Rao, you're pretty much guaranteed to remove the stress that you're getting from Bayes for extra focus tokens in that build out. Yeah, so that was that that was kind of the idea. Is it's a very aggressive Han, the tactical scrambler. You could you could choose to put like, you could choose to put on there. You know, elusive. You could go with predator. You could go with a couple of other different options if you really wanted. But the tactical scrambler idea was the fact that if you're going to go in there to get your focus tokens at range one, and like and this 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 build reminds me of Matt from our local group because Matt likes to take his Han and get very very aggressive with his Han. Um, and so that's kind of, that was kind of what inspired it. So the idea would be is if you have tactical scrambler and you're in front of everybody, everybody gets to roll extra dice. So, and it's a big base. So as long as you don't get blocked and everybody runs into you, <laughs> it seemed pretty good. Yeah. The only thing I would change a little bit, maybe would just put on like dead man switch instead of tactical scrambler, because if you're going to be range one anyways, you might as well make them pay for it. <laughs> Yep, and that was a, that is another option as well. You could also the second build that we had was changing out Bistan for veteran turret gunner. I'm not as liking of that model personally, um, but that does allow me to put um, the engine upgrade on there for the free boost if you would like, or the, the white boost, not free boost, but a white boost. And it also lets you um, take. Again, you could take Electronic Baffle, you could take Tactical Scrambler, or like you said, you could kind of take like a Dead Man Switch. Yeah, the only problem with veteran turret gunners on like Falcons and stuff is that if you are using it, that means you're getting flanked, and that's very bad. You don't <laughs> want that. You want to orbit around things. You don't want to be like diving right in there like that. All right. So the next kind of the next build that I had was with Han Solo with Fen Rao instead. And the idea would be is you have Contraband, Blaze, Bistan, um, and it, it does kind of the same thing except for because it gives you that extra point you could take the Contraband. You could also take FTC if you would rather. Um, you could also take Engine Upgrade. That was another one. Um, but you don't have enough points, unfortunately, to take that trick shot. But I'm, my assumption is, is if you're diving in there to be able to get at range one with Fen Rao, what it does is it kind of says, hey, I can get in there as aggressive as I want, take my focuses with Blaze, and just remove my stress right away. Mm -hmm. And then I'm able to double tap ships. And I only have to have one ship at range one to be able to get rid of my stress. The other build was with the Veteran's Turret Gunner, which then does allow you to have Trick Shot. But again, I don't know if that's any good or not. So... um yeah, I think one of the things with with <clears throat> Fen Rao in particular is um, looking at what I've found because I run them on on U wings, which I love because you just stop and then the U wings fire and they lose all their stress and they can stop again if they want to. Um, so I think 
<clears throat> Fen Rao crew in particular, looking at the rest of the list too, like going with a list that that does a lot of stress and likes to be in there knife fighting um, is really interesting. Uh, and so I think maybe more so than, than me and Num, uh, Fen Rao likes to look at it and say, what else is with it? What, what ships are supporting me? What ships am I also? Cause it's range, I think it's zero to two, right? So you can, uh, a good portion of your squad on both sides, uh, can take advantage of that. So thinking about ships like, uh, A-wings or ships that are taking stress all the time, uh, to go with that really makes that even more powerful. Um, which is kind of cool. So, Corey, you said you're stopping with with U wings and using Fen Rao. Yeah, because you can't do that. You, can't you do have it. to go with speed one or higher. Oh, I'm sorry. It was um, so sorry. You're right. Uh, <laughs> it was during the the Our chaff opponents. cloud. The uh, God, how did I do that? Then maybe I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying to remember now. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, now my face is turned red, so I don't. I guess I it caught me again. So, um, I'll have to look. So, but U wings, I find is a, is a good place for them to pull the stress off. Um, but uh, you're right, you can't stop and use it. So, thanks. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> and then, kind of the last build that we had with the Neonub was uh, the Lando build that Alex had. And what, what did you have on Lando, Alex? Well, uh, for Lando's ability works really well with like Nia Nub because after he does a blue maneuver, he could basically choose any one zero to three to do another action. And that makes all the banks on the Falcon blue. So you can have this wealth of options. So in this case, um, we just did with the standard double tapping perceptive co-pilot Bistan, you know, do a blue maneuver. You can target lock and double focus and get double mods off the first shot and a single lot off the second one or focus boost and still get two shots or evade and focus if you want to try to be tanky and still also get offense in it's pretty versatile i think yeah and i think with this build it, it this so this so Corey, when we had the newbies that that the that joined us on monday this actually probably would have been an easier build than that han yeah um that we had because you only got to remember to coordinate. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and everything's blue for the most part. So. Yeah. And he's great. Cause he's, he can support other people or he can be his own thing. Right. And that's, that's a great ship is when you have an ACI five ship that can be a support or just heavy offense. You just get to choose. Yeah. And I really like Lando. I did not know about Lando's ability until tonight, so I learned something new. So Lando uh, can go under the another pilot that uh, is very underutilized. <laughs> yeah, I think he's fallen off lately. He used to be pretty... He used to pop up here and there, just occasionally. It depends on how much hand-holding you want to do in the Rebel faction. Yeah, I think the big thing is, and, and before we get into scum here, and it's, we're going to get into scum in a second, but before we get into scum, I think the big thing with with like the Han versus Lando discussion, right, is they're both eight points. You'll get one more point. That's true. You do get the one more point, but Han gets the re-rolls. So Han just has to be by objects, and he can re-roll his defense dice all day long, every shot. And I, I will not tell you how many times that that, holds up under fire you know you're still taking you know if you get three shots into you you're still taking two damage but 
at the same token, you can use that evade all you want. And with the title, you could take an evade if you really want to and get spicy and, you know, so many not have to be by a rock. Yeah. The uh, the thing with that Bistan <clears throat> or the Lando build, though, I, I think in today's meta could be really good is there's two things there. One is if you bump, you take a, a double focus and Neonum helps you clear that stress the next turn, which is fantastic. But I think Lando right now would be really interesting in that you can grab an objective. Uh, there's two objectives where he would be amazing at, um, you know, for helping other people out, right? So you, you fly a ship up, you either claim the crate or you, you know, do the whole on-off switch on the other one. Um, and he can still give them an action, which is massive, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in today's meta and in today's objective world that we live in, um, it's actually something I had forgotten about, but I would definitely start to think about is is using Lando right now. Uh, I think it could be really powerful. Yeah, it's almost, if you think about it, it's very similar-ish to the Lando in Resistance. Yeah. I bet you that's probably shields. why they put him at, it's got a lot more shields, <laughs> uh, a ton more shields actually. But it, 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 I wonder if that's why uh, they put the Lando in resistance at eight points to mirror this, even though I feel the Lando in resistance is only worth seven. But that's just I my agree. opinion. Um, yeah, I agree. And I do wonder. Now the question becomes: Is in Rebels, could you move him down to seven too, or would he become overly powerful? No, way. I don't want either of those at seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not. It's not okay. There's way too many like <laughs> passive odds in both those factions to really terrorize things. If you had an extra point in those lists, yeah. ugh, ugh. but I yeah. think the interesting thing with Lando here is if it, what's as a support ship, he helps those two objectives where you have to take actions to do the thing, and the other two objectives, he's a large base, which is awesome, and and just kill the other person. He's amazing at that because he's double, he's, you know, he's double tapping and, and everything like that. So um, I think technically Lando could be stronger than Han in objective play uh, from all that being said, because he can switch from support to the other. Yeah, we'll have to, maybe we'll have to list build with Lando a little bit because I do wonder, like, especially if you're putting like Keo and Tycho in there. I mean, that's only seven more points. That's puts you at 15. You still have five points. You could put Ahsoka. You could put um, an X-Wing in there. Um, You could do two Y-1300s and a U-Wing, I guess. You you could do that. That's 100% feasible. I um, mean, Wes or, or uh, Boy Wedge would be some pretty good options at five points. Yeah, and I think, you know, yeah, especially if you go with Boy Wedge, right, uh, that, and that gives you all I-5s and then I-3s. It just, there's a lot of options. I think we should, we'll have to add that to the list of uh, some list building stuff for next week because I do think that could be some interesting, um, there could be some interesting things in there that we have not seen. Um, and it'll give you a variety to play, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I will tell you, I like the Han better, but that's just because I'm a Separatist player who likes to go one hard, like the two hards and the three hards, like in my personal brain, that's how I see things. Um, so I have harder times with banking ships. Oh, I can just do the three hard. I know exactly. Oh, okay. I, I, I have it in my head. It looks like an L. 
in different size L's. And I literally in my head can see it. And I go, oh, and I know if I boost, I'm going to be on like another like 15 degree angle. So if you are going to move right there, I'm going to get you in bullseye. You know, it's just it's just crazy. That's it. But that's a separatist player for you. So, Ironically, not built for organics. Yes, not <laughs> not built for again. Not this guy. We are going to try those. Um, we are going to try those at some point. Probably after Worlds, not till Worlds though. Somebody challenged me to run them at Worlds, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel confident that I could do that. All right, so let's move on to Scum. Uh, Scum does not get um, Neonub, but Scum does get Fenrau. And so let's go through the, I guess, well, Corey, we'll give you the Mandalorian ship if you want to read off. What, what did I put into the Mandalorian ship? Yeah, so you've got uh, Fearless and Predator, some great offensive mods, uh, passive mods. You've got the Child, um, great fit there. Uh, Fen Rao, uh, Greedo, Contraband, Cybernetics, and uh, the title. So, Yeah, and now... Here, so here's, and this is kind of a weird discussion, right? Especially because this is a little bit different build. This has kind of been how a lot of people have been um, kidding out Mando is by putting that Fenral right to be able to do your 5K and then get rid of your stress. You could dump Predator and Contraband for um, Babu Frick. You can do it. I don't know if it's any good or not, but you could <laughs> do it because you can't, because you still get your illicit under the card for free. So you could you technically still could take your FTC or your contraband. You can technically do that. Um, the thing I like about the build you've got here, though, is that technically, if you don't clear your stress with Fen Rao, you still have the Force, Fearless, and Predator. And so you're like, okay, I'm stressed. So what? Um, which is which is pretty awesome. You know, and then, you know, if you aren't stressed and you do like a one hard turn or something like that, you still have all those things online. Um, and then if then you can use Fenral after that. So um, I think there's a there's a ton of of uh, passive mods that Fenral is kind of almost in a way a bonus um, for helping clear that stress when you can. But you're not really out if you don't. So I think it's really strong. Yeah. And I think I feel this is the aggressive build. You can also run the elusive right instead of predator. I just like predator better, especially because those things can do barrel rolls. So you could contraband and then, you know, do your barrel roll action as well to get into a bullseye, which I had um, somebody, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Zach. But somebody did that to me um, into my, uh, one of my stupid droids. And yeah, at range one, that droid um, did not live. We'll just put it that way. Not only that, you can barrel roll, link it to an evade, and then clear off the stress with Fenrau, which is really funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just crazy. even more disrespectful. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. The next one is my Dr. Afra uh build. Uh Alex, you want to read that one? Yeah, I got Dr. Afra with jamming bean because it's free. Uh Fenrau, of course. Uh the child. Uh BT1 to turn. Uh, hits the crits when they're stressed, contraband, overtune modulators, and tactical scrambler, and the houndstooth title. I guess out of disrespect to, because that, that's because I can. I I yeah. always put that on there. I don't care. <laughs> I put it on there even if I don't run the Z ninety five. Just so you know, the ship is called the houndstooth, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yep, it's not a YV. Yeah. 
Um, it's like in, in this one, again, the, there's a couple of changes. You could use Babu Frick, right? Um, <clears throat> the, the, the only difference here is, is you're, you're not going to be stopping and getting rid of your stress, right? With, with Fenral, you just can't do that. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like yes. Corey. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. No wonder we're better. We just cheat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you're killing me here. So, um, but that's not the only, you know, maneuver that shows up red, right? You know, so like you have two hards. And again, maybe this is just me personally being that type of a person. Um, whereas I would like to contraband, then too hard, get rid of my stress, that type of a thing. Um, if I had Neonub in this faction, that would be stapled on these YVs, like hands down. I, I like, could you imagine being able to doing two and three banks with those things to clear stress. Oh, so good. Yeah. All you have to take is an L3, you know, a four point upgrade and just flip it. You can, but, but then I lose my good. child. Yep. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. I was I gonna throw lose... up... oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Nope. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, me personally, I'm not a huge fan of the child, um, but I know some people love them. My only change to that would be removing tactical scrambler and changing the child to Ahsoka. Um, you still get your force, but uh, in the chance that you have to turn away from something with Dr. Afra, you could use your force to help somebody else out. Um, but uh, and, you, and you're not giving them the free target locks. So that would be my only tweak to that. But um, normally I would say I'm not a fan of overtuned modulators, but I think with Fen Rao, that's a really cool pairing of the two because normally i'm like i i don't like the idea that you could be constantly you know getting hit with um with over two modulators the negative side of it uh but with fen Rao being able to you can get rid of that right i'm not crazy um yeah. i'm not cheating uh so um i think that's pretty pretty awesome to be able to have that option there uh so that's a really cool build on that side so i just i'm a fan of ahsoka crew um just because I, I think having that option of the support crew as well, if you need it, is kind of cool. Again, um, it's after you do a maneuver, right? So you can... Um, Before you engage. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you could do the support with crates and stuff like that or something where you could give somebody um, a uh, an, an action. So uh, a focus if they need to. So it does allow for that kind of support role in a very minimal side of things if you need to. And then you pop over tune. So uh, Ahsoka becomes a support crew for that round and over tune gives you all the calculates for your offense for yourself, um, which is kind of sneaky to think that a, a YV could be a support ship for a round. Yeah. And I mean, it, the tactical scrambler is probably not being utilized very often anyway in scum right now, because scum is the weakest faction for anything other than three ships. So um, very rarely are you running a bunch of ships in scum that tactical scrambler would be beneficial for. Um, you could also put electronic baffle in there too. Like you could mm -hmm. do it. Um, then you don't have, then if Fenrau doesn't work, you can take your one damage and get rid of your stress too. What is actually super interesting is uh, Forlom Crew because you can start Fen Rowing off those ion tokens that you get from them. Yep. Which is 
a super like I don't I haven't seen that before. But you can't do that. You know, freeze out a green <laughs> token, start jettisoning off the ions, so you're not going to be ionized every turn. Yeah, and if, I think if Doctor Afra had a talent, I think that would be extremely valid, right? Because uh, what is what is four on four points? Five. No. Oh, it is five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it still really wouldn't matter. It still wouldn't matter because yeah, you wouldn't be able to. It wouldn't really matter that much because you could use. If you if you had it, you still wouldn't have enough for Notorious because Notorious is five. But that is an interesting build. I think that would be worthwhile to try. I, I again, we talked about this before on the show, but I think Doctor Afra is actually one of the like best ships, like in Scum, in my opinion, to start flying playing around with. Um, I again, it's just really hard when you have Boba, you know, when you have Boba, Boba faction. Yeah, it's the Boba faction. Yeah, Zach ran a five ship. Our local Zach and our local group uh, ran a five ship scum list that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, and having Gamut give Doctor Afra extra tokens, so you're the whole double reinforcement crap and and all that kind of thing. Um, I think there's some there's potentially some untapped stuff in there. You just got to find the right the right mix, and and it's definitely not easy mode. But I think you could. There might be something else out there. I was really intrigued with his list um, and and kind of encouraged to see that there was something there. So if some points do move a little bit, uh, that list could become really, really powerful. And having five ships versus three would be, you know, pretty awesome. Um, my whole list smashed into Dr. Afra. I was running Republic and it, it took me three turns to kill it with every ship being double modified shooting this thing. Uh you know, it was it was nasty. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I, it, we need Scum to have some points move around so that you have to make a choice. Do you want Boba or do you want something else? Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I mean, it's, it, we've had the same conversation. Like, is Dooku worth it in Separatists at six points? Right. You know, but Dooku is not a building block like Afra is. She is definitely a better building block than Dooku. But on the opposite side using Dooku gives you two extra points in Separatists. And there is a there's a lot you can do with that. <clears throat> you could get two outmaneuver ships, uh, for example. <laughs> I'm not still not sold on Dirge, but um I hear Dirge and two outmaneuver ships and um Dooku is performing extremely well in Separatists right now. Um for in somebody's testing for worlds. So that's it has actually become a contender of mine, except for again, I'm just not a dirge fan. Um, just not, I'm just not a dirge fan. It's too little cool. points. He's cool, but he's he doesn't have enough points in, in his yeah, his catalog to do anything. I, I like dirge, sure. I do not, not for four points. I could take two droids and like have energy shells, and I can have an iron assembler that is worth two points that forces you to spend three shots trying to kill. There you go. I'll take dirge. Okay, fair enough. The last, uh, the last pilot that we had here is Rook Cast, and this is a little bit different build. A lot of people like to run um, the child, so this is kind of in memorial for you know Corey to say, "Hey, I'm not running the child this time." (laughs) Um, But this is a Rook Cast that has Fenral Drop Seat Bay that allows her to have the Mandalorian, Contraband Cybernetics. 
Veterans Hell Gunner and Notorious. And Notorious is there so that you do not have to take your own strain yourself if you don't want to all the time for the rerolls. Or you can take it and you're able to do more than one set of rerolls, which I think is really big for an I3 ship um, in a list. Again, you have to build around this a little bit. I don't know if this is the most ideal build to put with Kane and Boba, but I think, again, if we get some points shifting a little bit um, and we could get a few smaller ships in there with with her, I think this could be a pretty decent um, aggro-type ship. Um, and I will say, too, you mentioned Dirge, but just bringing them up with your Rook cast build here or even the Mandalorian, they do like to stress themselves a ton with the linked actions. And I do think in both the Dr. Afra and the Rook cast build here, having the rogue class with this, being able to pull that stress off and be having more open dial really changes that ship and makes people have to really think, do I want to be messing with dirge, which, you know, is, is it, he, he's still an I five. He still can hit hard. Um, or do I go after one of these kind of easier targets um, and so I, I do think that creates more of a challenge for your opponent, uh, that choice thing. And then, like I said, Fen Rao really complements that rogue class, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it would actually be nice to see Dirge and Separate or in Scum be a viable ship. Cause again, I just, it, it's that. It's just that lack of, I mean, and in, and Scum Dirge doesn't even get the title. You know, like, it's not, it's not even, I don't even understand why not. Like, just give mm -hmm. them the title. They both have 10 point, you know, force users that they could take. I, I, I don't see that as broken. Personally, I don't see that as broken. I think Zaka's you just. Crew, man. <laughs> Zaka's crew on Scum um dirge you just force them to reroll the defensive die for stress and then pass it off to him that's rough i think that's why they don't he doesn't have the title on there i think it's sure. specifically because of that cad bane can do the same thing though when tad bane gets oh, the sorry, title yeah, cad bane. and that's cad bane's bad. one more point and a bunch more loadout so i i yeah. i don't personally if you're willing to invest that in dirge i i think it's worth it how about that right like to me, I don't think it's broken enough that I would not want to do that. <clears throat> well, all right. Do you, anybody else have any other um, ideas for those two ships and upgrades or anything like that before we move on to our next segment? Actually, just one more thing. Han Solo Gunner has the same timing as Fen Rao does. They're both when you engage, so you can actually take off the stress you get from Han Gunner. You just have nice. to find a decent ship to have both a gunner slot and a crew slot like that for 13 points. Oh, I did not know that. That's a lot of points, though. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's a ton of points. Holy crap. Afra could do it <laughs> and have like four lom. And well, all right. Well, let's points. move into our Academy 101 segment. a 
series about list archetypes and how we can analyze them, right? So what we decided to do is we're going to build a whole series around it. We do have quite a few segments that I've been prepping um, that we're going to be talking about. Because essentially what we want to do is we want to talk about, you know, kind of how the list is, lists are built, what are its strengths, what are not its strengths. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what can you run with this list archetype and what what, what makes it that way, right? Um, we wanted to talk about the building blocks of the archetype, right? So we want to understand what are what's the philosophy for the creation of these different archetypes. Um, we'll talk about scenario interactions. Um, what's the best strategy for each of the archetypes? And, and um, we're going to also then actually break down the archetypes, whether the certain lists can cross um, into one archetype to another one. Like, for example, can it be a swarm as well as a beef list, right? You know, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that at some point. Um, we're going to talk about if it's versatile enough to be able to be played, um, you know, throughout the course and what happens when you lose your key pieces. Um, and then we're also going to talk about ranking the lists under the archetype. So we're going to create some sort of a semi-ranking system that helps you understand what each of these list archetypes are. So now this obviously came as one of the options that when we did our survey last month, um, if you did miss that, we had a whole, we had two whole episodes where we talked about what were some of the survey options. What did people want to talk about? And this kind of came up as one of them. And I feel like when we talk about board games in general, like for me, one of the big ideas here is, is it's a concept type thing. Right. And I'm really big into the, the nuts and bolts and understanding how a board game's built and how everything interacts. Um, and our last series we did was a, a analysis, a chess analysis, where we kind of analyzed different pieces, how they fit together, how they work within different scenarios, um, and, and kind of how you build your, a list based on that. So what we thought was this would be a great follow-up, right? We get to go in, we're going to kind of define some of the archetypes, and we're going to get to doing a, a, a conversation around what it means in X-Wing. Now, before we get into it, two things. The first thing is we're not going to cover every one of these goals tonight. <laughs> tonight, we're going to focus on defining archetypes. <laughs> I do not have enough time, and I'm sure the guys have no interest in sitting around for nine hours with me because I, I feel probably by the time I get done, it'll be nine hours for this whole segment. Um, so we're not going to sit for nine hours tonight um, and do that. We're going to just work on it piece by piece and then that gateway it gives you a little bit to come back to every week so as we go through this every week it'll give you something new to look forward to or hopefully look forward to so to begin with what we're going to do is we're going to go around and we're going to talk about defining an archetype and before i get into like my definition and all of my like mumbo jumbo what i want to do is just kind of open up to the floor to Corey and alex and say what is a archetype in x-wing to you and we'll go ahead. We'll give uh, Alex the floor to begin with. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so for X-Wing, an archetype is kind of just how your list, how you put it together, what upgrades you bring, and then, I mean, more, more importantly, what ships you bring, and then just kind of what you're doing in the game to maximize that kind of potential. And I, I don't want to like give away what we're doing here, but if like you have an alpha strike list, you know, you're 
you're going to bring ships that have high attack dice, that have high initiative, that can shoot and take ships off the board before they have a chance to do that. So it's kind of like how you approach going into the game and like what list building philosophies you're bringing into it. All right. Yeah. Corey, how about you? Yeah, I think um, another part to add to that would be kind of how do you want to play the game? Uh, what are you kind of good at and kind of thinking about um, how that goes into it as well. So just kind of thinking about, you know, what is my, what is my play style before I even sit down at the table? Um, is, is, are my ships going to fly together? Or are they um, trying to do a bunch of different things? Um, is it a lot of, uh, you know, kind of relying on each other type stuff? Um, and so it's, it's kind of the essence of the list um, of how it functions together or apart, I guess would be the way to look at it. Um, and is there certain ships that uh, are needed or not needed in the list? All right. So my definition, so we uh, it's, we have two different things. So if you, if you go through and you look up the basic definition of what an archetype is, an archetype is the original pattern or model of which thing, all things of the same type are represented or are copies, right? So it seems that's, that's pretty vague. That's pretty vague. So I said, well, what if I put this in X-Wing terms, right? So to me, it's a category of a finalized list that defines its style of play, the way the list interacts with each other, and how it will interact with scenarios. If we go a little bit farther and we talk about what are board game archetype categories, and I know sometimes I lose people, so you guys can interrupt me and stop me if you feel I'm going a little off track here. But there is a prominent... Um, philosophy called snacks. And I, I specifically latched onto it because it's called snacks. And it's going to, by the time we get done with this, I'm going to need a couple of snacks because I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm going to get hungry just from talking about this. But essentially the idea is these are kind of the different categories that archetypes have. The first one is strategy. The next one is a narrative, arcade, knowledge, social. And again, these are very broad strokes in terms of how we define archetypes inside of uh, archetype categories inside of board games, right? So our board game is not going to be all of those, but our board game is definitely a very social board game. You have to be pretty knowledgeable, but not Jeopardy knowledgeable. <laughs> um, our board game has a high amount of strategy, in my opinion, um, to it between the dial versatility, uh, the ability to build your own list, which hopefully never goes away. Um, and then the ability of how you fly your ship on the map um, and interact with the other ships, right? There isn't right. really a narrative. Um, we we wait very low in that category, at least right now. Um, and that is something AMG is actually working on, which uh, I personally, I'm highly excited about, even though our local group has not um, played any of the new scenarios uh, yet. I have, but... And I like them. I think they're actually really, really fun. I think they're one of the fun. I think so far that is actually probably some of the most fun I've had outside of just winning tournaments um, in X-Wing has been actually able to play those scenarios. Um, I will say that narrative loosely could also be brought into a theme. And I have to say me, I'm a sucker for theme. So like I gravitate towards certain pilots and ships that I like 
not because they're good in X-Wing, but because, and some people do that more in X-Wing than even me. And so I think narrative could follow into that theme role. And there are people that are very driven by what do they like? What do they feel about the game? They want to do something that they saw, or there's a ship that they particularly like, even if it sucks. Um, And so I think narrative is one of those things in X-Wing that some people don't even care about and some people, you know, probably go a little too far with it, but um, it, it does impact the game one way or another. So. And I feel, I think, I think you're right. I think that's fair. I actually, now you mentioned that I, I, I tend to gravitate in CIS towards Grievous, not just cause he's good, but because I enjoy that character mm-hmm. um, from when my kids were younger. Um, I've seen the clone wars movie and, <laughs> in the first movie more times I could probably quote Jar Jar Binks to y'all, but I won't do Ugh, that. Please don't. Um, please don't. <laughs> but like the lat for instance is, you know, that's a ship that I was waiting to come out next wing for so long. Cause I love the ship and I want it, even if they, after the points thing that happened to them, I still want to fly that ship because I love that ship and I will try and make it work. And I think that goes into that kind of narrative thing in my head of, it's a badass ship. I want it on the table. <laughs> um, so now we talk a little bit about board game features, right? So archetypes have features. Um, the ones that I found essentially that kind of came from the same place where snacks came from um, is there. There's a few of them, right? And essentially we have uh, perceptual elaborateness rules, elaborateness, Component granularity, symbolic elaborateness is essentially the other term for that. Player interaction and player control. And these are different features that are part of each of the different archetype categories that we could fit into. X-Wing, I think, personally crosses the barrier to a lot of these. And I think that's why people can gravitate towards X-Wing. And we could talk, we're going to talk a little bit about each of these different features because I think they play into how these lists, these basic archetypes are built um, that we have, right? So perpetual elaborateness essentially is the depth or volume of the game, right? So you have a low side and a high side and a low side. They they talk about it being a quick sketch. So basically somebody drawing a stick figure on a high side, we're talking about paintings, miniatures, set design, <laughs> um, you know, inside of that. So so what we're going to do is, is now we're going to open up to the group and we're going to each one of these we're going to talk about and we're going to kind of rate X-Wing on, I don't know, do we want to do a one to five category or one to ten category and where we feel they fit? We're going to do one to five. I'm going to pick it for you since y'all, you're all quiet tonight. Um, <laughs> so with perpetual per- perceptual elaborateness, essentially how elaborate is the game between a one to five, one being low and five being high. Alex, where do you feel X-Wing rates ranks inside of that? Let's uh, so obviously there's no painting the models or anything like that. You don't have to assemble them yourselves. So that you know it's, it's low depth in that perspective, but there is like you know a lot of I don't know how in depth you want me to get, but like you know there's ships that go well with other ships so there's kind of like a lot of depth to just figuring it out where to start for whatever list you want to play but um 
I don't know. It was five high. It's five like yes. high depth in this. Yeah. So, so like- five, I would consider like a Warhammer. Um, Gross. <laughs> I would, I would consider five, like a Warhammer risk. Uh, I think Warhammer is probably the most, one of the most elaborate games that I've seen. There's probably a few more that I just don't know about. Um, but in my world, that that's, that's what I think of. Yeah. So probably like a, a two or a three, depending on like what kind of normal game. It's not like Monopoly, right? But it's, you know, definitely not anywhere close to the Warhammer or Malifaux and all those kinds of games over there. All right, Corey, how about you? I was leaning towards a little bit higher than that just because of the amount of of interactions. It, and I guess it depends on how, if you're going competitive and you need to know everything in a sense in the game besides our player, Matt, who doesn't know anything and still plays. Um, <laughs> most people who are competitive try and understand most of, of what's out there. And you look at all the different interactions and steps and all the things that are out there. I'd probably go with, in my mind, like a three or a four, to be honest, just because the amount of uh, combo type interactions and and kind of um, just the breadth of cards that are out there. I have no idea how many cards are available for X-Wing right now, but it's it's massive. Um, and that's just the cards, not even just, you know, following the rules too. So, um, I think there's quite a bit there, uh, if you go competitive and really want to know everything by the T, which obviously we learned earlier, I don't know all the things, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I go higher than I think it was originally intended to be as far as a game. (laughs) So fair enough. So I threw it in as a three. Um, essentially, I agree for the most part. I feel that there is quite a few cars and quite a few um, other pieces to it. But in terms of the the depth or the volume of it, it's somewhat of a rather um, it's easier to get into than a Warhammer, but it's more complex to get into than, let's say, Settlers of Catan, right? Uh, Settlers of Catan to me would be a... Um, a, a one and a half probably at most um they have seven expansions but in x-wing if you want to be competitive you have to buy misa latsa stop expansions all right so the next one is rules elaborateness which this one's a little bit different right this one talks about um, it's a complexity rating, right? Is it easy to learn versus is it a highly complex simulator? And so I would consider a five to be um, one of those like 1800 euro games that you spend like seven to eight hours playing, which I've done once, once, <laughs> and I will not, I will do it again. If somebody wants to, to do it, I will do it one other time. But that was a very long day um, for very little stimulation i would say um personally whereas you know the low complexity would be uh, i don't know like uh king king of tokyo king of tokyo is a very low complexity game you roll dice you go oh yes i like this you roll it a second time you roll it a third time and move on you know it's it's a pretty misa easy game um so so cory where would you rate x-wing in terms of rule elaborateness yeah, I think maybe what I was talking about earlier might have bled over into this and just thinking about all the different interactions, you know, is pretty tough. And and 
I guess, again, I would look at it as two sides. Like just if you stripped away the cards and you just looked at the game, the core game without all the, uh, the pilot abilities and crew, you know, like upgrades and just said the core of the game, I think it's, it's relatively low, um, you know, a two, three, and then you start to add in all the complexity of the cards and how everything interacts. And then it really starts to get crazy because there's, you know, you have to jump on forums. There's no one place to go for the rules. There's so many interactions that you have to try and figure out that anytime that happens, I think you're you're talking about a, a pretty complex uh, set of rules if you can't put it in a book and say this is what they are. Um, so base game, pretty low. Full game, competitive game, pretty high. So four. I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah, for you, two. It, I would say a two if you just wanted to like just forget about all the extra stuff, and if you want to go into the, the all the stuff, I would say four. So, all right, Alec. Ooh, okay. So I have uh, an excessive amount of board games, like over a hundred. <laughs> so like my my scale of these games are super easy, and this game is super difficult might be more skewed because I don't think X-Wake is a difficult game like at all, even with all the complex rules and crazy interactions that I tend to build in my lists compared to uh, many other games that I have. <laughs> so if I can do like a three and a half, okay, but like it, it depends. Like if you're doing like the battle of Yavin, right? That's very straightforward. You know, there's not a lot of crazy, uh, very in-depth rules complexity in there. But yeah, if you're going for like the the competitive, there's going to be a lot more things in there, a lot more weird interactions that aren't immediately obvious. And Alex, I think you brought up a good point too. And, and I guess in my head, I'm thinking about the, we had two new people stop by our a local group, which was awesome. Uh, and, you know, they're hopefully they're coming back and they're on a discord, but I was thinking about them from their perspective of just jumping into the game. And if someone's not a, it doesn't have a hundred games on their shelf, right. Is eventually we start to learn how to read rules, the may versus must and, and all these kind of things. Like we inherently know these things. And so that's a whole different type of gamer than somebody that's like walk into a game store and picks up X-Wing cause it looks cool and sets it on the table, right? right? There's a, you almost add plus one or plus two to that difficulty setting for someone like that, that went from Monopoly to X-Wing versus someone who's, you know, playing, you know, Battletech and then decides to pick up X-Wing and they're like, this is easy. Yeah. Um, so, um, so there is kind of that side of things, which I think is a really good point on your side. So. Yeah, and I would say I land probably where you land, Alex. I at the three and a half mark. See, that's why we should just done ten. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I probably land in that same that same scheme. Scheme is a three and a half. Like I think there is a high complexity when you add all the stuff into it, but to some extent, a lot of the interactions follow a core set of things, and they don't inter new introduce a lot of new mechanics into the game, um, as often as some of these other games do. You know, and again, you know. I haven't played very much Warhammer, but they have a lot more factions and different types of Warhammer play styles than we have in X-Wing, for Christ's sake. So, um, 
All right, moving on to component granularity. So basically, this is your your component types. How many component types do we have? Um, so low component types will have little impact on the game um, to basically having a high variety of components um, that you're needed to be considered uh, to win the game, right? Um, so for me, this is, there are two. Um, I think when we talk about components, there is your boost, your barrel roll, focus, evade, you have force, um, you have target locks, you have ions, you have some of these other various pieces that go into it but i don't feel component wise like i mean we're doing one of three things we are flying and shooting flying and taking objectives <laughs> flying and avoiding being shot that's kind of how i i see it so so the component piece of it to me um is rather low um which i think also contributes to where i feel the rules are um, cause if we had a lot more components that we had to keep track of or know or understand, I feel we would, that that game would be like an 1800 game. And we, instead of the hour and 15 minutes it takes to play this game, it would be more like Legion, like three hours. And I do not enjoy three hour Legion games. I found out, uh, the hard way. Uh, so, um, so I give that, that I'm going to give it a, a, a strong two. There you go. Yeah, and um, for components, like the physical components themselves, like you, you can look at the game, you can understand like a one bank, a two bank, and a three bank are just, they're putting you at the same angle. It's just some of them are faster, same with the turns, you know. Um, and, you know, the dice are very easy to interpret and all that kind of stuff. But like the the wealth of actions and the, the introduction of different tokens, right? Because now we have strains and depletes and we didn't have that in 2.0 at the start. Um, I would say, yeah, probably like, honestly, like a two or a three. Uh, again, a lot of this is if you want to be competitive, you want to know how to, uh, you know, set up at 15 degrees. You want to know how to approach something where you can <clears throat> barrel roll out of the arc if need be. You know what kind of maneuver would be the safest for uh, road rules or something like that. So I think uh, yeah, I'm leaning more towards a three now that I say those things. All right, Corey. Yeah, and I I guess to take what you said, Alex, and and push it even further. Um, if you think about what goes into a ship with loadouts, you you now have to really think about all those tokens and stuff. But you also are looking at symbology and ideas of what is a gunner? What is a talent slot? What is a what is dark side versus light side force? What is a mod? And what goes into a ship, and that it's not even consistent among one chassis, you know, one ship in the same chassis anymore. So I do think there's it's certainly not a five, but it does start to push that limit of you know we just got a a message today in our Discord about why can't I put a gunner on a Y wing? You know, that sounds like a thing you should be able to do. Well, they don't have, you know, these gun, the rebel Y wings don't have a gunner slot. Um, and so all of a sudden it's like, okay, <laughs> this is, it came in the card pack, you know, the, and, and it's, it doesn't fit on the ship. Um, so I think now with, with all the different, with the ships changing so much, unlike what they used to be in 1.0, you looked at the, at the card. And unless it was a jump master, 
everything that was on there was what you had for your ship, right? And and that's what it came with. Whereas now, at, you know, I love T70. So a T70 to T70, you know, this one has a tech slot. This one has double talents. This one has whatever. That starts to be very complex when you're talking about what these symbols are, what they mean, and then what can actually go on those things. Um, so, I again, I'm, I'm probably sitting more in that three to four range uh, of that side of things. All right. The next feature of an archetype is player interaction. Essentially, this is this this is pretty this is pretty self-explanatory. The percentage of confrontation the percentage of confrontation for the game, right? A low low confrontation versus direct confrontation. And, and when I talk about direct confrontation, I don't mean it in a negative way. Like I have to confront you because Corey can't remember that you can't do a stop and he did a stop and try to remove the stress. Type yeah, thing. Fight him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's not the type of confrontation <laughs> we're talking about. The confrontation we're talking about is more of how does you interact with your opponent? Um, how much do you have to talk to them and understand what's going on? To me, this is a this is up there. This is a five. Like to me, this is this is a very high number. Um, for me, I would say like, again, I would say this. I would say this is a five. I'm just gonna say that there is mm-hmm. a high complexity because there's a piece that I actually despise about X-Wing um, that I'll get to in just a second. Um, and if JJ were here, he he would just be laughing right now because I've complained about this component of X-Wing for a while. But the ability, you have to know what your opponent's running. So you not only do you have to understand everything your opponent's running, you have to be able to talk to them. You have to be able to interact with them as things are going on. You need to be calling out your plays, right? In case you make a mistake where you say, hey, I dialed in a three bank and you look at it and you're like, shoot, I dialed in a two bank. Got to redial that back. You got to remember all these other features. Um, plus, it's a very social game to me. You're not sitting across the table from, unless you have an unpleasant opponent, for the most part, you're sitting across having a conversation with somebody too. So you have that piece of it as well. Um, I will say I'm probably the more serious, unfriendly person sometimes when it comes to playing on the table at locals. So I am probably not the uh, uh, the example of who you should be emulating. Um, I try to be very uh, openly, but I sometimes I get caught up in that competitive piece a little bit more than I need to. Um, and sometimes it makes it more fun, less fun, right? But the game that Sean and I had where we played our two really large base ships against each other was insanely hilarious because like we were calling each other shots and we we had a really good time being able to fly that. So to me, the player interaction is at an all-time high for this game. Um, based on the two pieces of understanding and having to talk to your opponent as well as the social aspect of it. Now, the last little titty bit to, or tidbit piece that I uh, do not like is the mind games that are 100% legal. Um, I personally do not like to play mind games with my opponent. I will tell you I will not, in a competitive situation, I will not give away information, nor will I allow a bunch of take backsies but I do despise the when an opponent goes, hey, you could do this here just to mess with me. I hate it. And if Corey, if you start doing this, I will never play you again. Um, <laughs> just as an FYI. But that, that like for me, that that takes away from the fun of it. But that also does add to the complexity rating, in my opinion, of this game, because in chess, you don't talk to your opponent. If you were sitting at a chess table telling your opponent you think they should do, you know, H2 to M4 or whatever. 
they're gonna like you're gonna get shot. Someone's gonna shoot you. You're not you're not walking out of that chess tournament. In X Wing, we are a lot more relaxed about table talk type stuff like that. And um, again, while it is not my favorite feature of the game, it is a piece that adds complexity. Hence, why I give it a five. Yeah, for this game, I. I would give it a five as well. I mean, the whole point is like a direct player to player confrontation. I mean, you could, I guess you could try to win on just objectives alone, but you're not going to. <laughs> so not really but much yeah. of a pacifist here. Come on. Come on, AMG. Uh, people have tried and they lose pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just the interaction. You have to, again, what you were saying, you have to know at least most of your opponent's list, what they're trying to do, maybe what kind of strategy they're coming in. That's a lot more in-depth thinking um, for player-to-player interaction. I mean, it's not like you're playing a solitary game, which you Mm -hmm. can do with a lot of different board games where you don't really interact with each other too much. This one just is pure interaction. Yeah, I would say even taking it further, I mean, think about when you have two five ship lists that smash into each other and sit in the beginning in the middle of the board. You're literally playing twister with your opponent, right? So I mean, there's some, some pretty close interactions you have to do. Um, so I, I do think that's uh, for the most part, actually one of my favorite things is talking with my opponent when I'm playing, you know, through online, being able to play people from all over the world, but on the table, mostly because our community is so good um it's a joy when you get done with a good game you know and and play them um and you just almost feel energized you know from it so this can be a really great thing to have this kind of interactions even for someone introverted like me um because of those interactions it can be really great so but the flip side is if you get somebody who is a jerk it can just rattle you to the nth degree, right? Like that, it can go both ways. Like, why does your Temin just not die? Seriously, I just yes. don't understand how your Temin doesn't <laughs> die, Jay. Yeah. What if I'm disrespectful to only a select group of of opponents, like Zach, who I yell at if he forgets triggers? <laughs> well, he needs it. So, <laughs> so you're giving it a five, then? I'll I'll put you down. Yeah, five. Yeah. All right. So the last archetype feature, and then I promise we're going to actually get into archetypes. <laughs> These are very important, I feel, and I'll explain why in a minute. But the last is the player control. How much randomness is in the game, right? Do you have complete randomness or basically a completely op- like open information? Um, so for me, the randomness um, since AMG has taken over is a lot higher. And I will say range zero shots still anger me to an extreme extent. Um, I do not like them. I do not like them, Sam I am. But um, I, I feel that that if we're talking about the game and, and how it works and all these other things, and we're talking about the different features, right? Um, I think player control here, to some extent, is it has gone down. But I don't think that makes the game bad. I think it makes the game go by faster and creates the unpredictability piece that um, FFG tried to do with just the dice rolling. Um, this the, the, the going with alternating we'll call it road rolls right alternating initiative that type of thing um and and the range zero shots 
um, and taking the bump actions and different things like that that add to these randomness pieces also create complexity in and of itself. And, and the example, for example, the the road roll is probably my favorite change outside of scenarios. I like the scenarios, and that's just because that I come from that type of a that's the background I have. Um, but 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 the randomness to whether you get to go first or second every turn, while we all were like, oh my god, this is adding 30 seconds, 40 seconds every round, we're just gonna add all this time to the game. It doesn't. I can do a roll roll, I don't even think about it. I literally roll it tell my opponent what it is and pick my dice up and move on. We just go right on. Like we don't even, it's not even a thought process. Um, and it, it created a complexity in terms of player interaction and it created a complexity in um, perception, right? Because of the, the fact that I don't get to go first every time or second every time. When I was a droid player, I wanted to go first so I could run into you. Now, as a droid player, I really don't want to run into you very often because uh, you're going to shoot me at range zero and you could possibly get three natty dice and kill me. <laughs> and then I, I'm just done. Whereas in the, our old world, we didn't. And I will personally admit, I struggled very hard at the beginning of 2.5 with it. That was a, that, that was the, the bumping and the block formations. And that was what I learned when, during the pandemic for X-Wing as a play style strategy. So when we go back up a little bit to, to your archetype, you know, um, pieces like I, that was my play style, right? I did that on purpose. There's a reason I play empire and, and separatists a lot is because of that play style. 2.5 has created a new, um, a new way for me to have to play. Um, I, I've never thought I would not run seven or eight ships in a list. And I have to amend what I feel, how many ships can go in a swarm now because of the AMG rules. Um, but anyway, so so for me, the player control piece in this is I would give this a a three, right? Like I feel we have quite a bit of control, but there's still enough randomness to make it an interesting game every single time. And on a positive side, right? That that means that Tanner doesn't get to lose every single game because sometimes the dice just go your way. Sometimes they do. Sometimes range zero shots, Grievous just rolls three natties. And sometimes you roll three natties against Grievous and he gets to cancel all the crits. And that's even funner. <laughs> for one. For, for one. For, for one. I only give him pilot crits, so I have no problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing I me. want that upgrade. <laughs> you can't uh, no, have for, plating. For uh, player control, <clears throat> I, I do like that there's randomness in this game every game should have some sort of degree of randomness if it's going to be interesting i mean with i guess basically the sole exception of chess and go and stuff like that um but like once you figure out like i said kind of strategy you know there's you have to have randomness to kind of even the playing fields um, and I do like that they did add a little bit more randomness in terms of road rules and all that kind of stuff. Although I, I don't like range zero shots, but that's only because I play low agility ships. And I do like to block a lot. Like I know Corey, when we played in Grand Rapids, I blocked basically every ship and my whole list was designed around blocking. Now I can't do that. Then they still die. Uh, but it's still fun. And that's mm -hmm. why I still play this game. Uh, I would say 
I would probably give this a three. You do have a lot of things where you can control, you know, your luck, your your dice mods that you get. You can have dedicated to reroll blanks. You can uh, have like the SOC like arcs, right? Where you can pass over the focus if you didn't take the focus or the evade or something to mitigate dice results. You can bring predator to reroll, you know, focus target lock shots. That's why we do them. Uh, so I still believe there's a lot of what you can control and you do a lot of things that mitigate the outcome. And I think that's uh, the important part in this game design is being able to mitigate that. Or you can just always hit pilot crits on Grievous and just <laughs> make everyone sad. <laughs> that's the good that. kind of randomness there. Uh-huh. Corey. Yeah, I would, I would say uh, it's a three unless you play resistance and then it's maybe a two. Uh heroic Finn and Ray Gunner kind of remove that randomness. Uh but no, I'd I'd say it's a three. Uh you know, there's Road Roll definitely um has has added I, I love it. That's it's it is my favorite new part of two point five is is road roll. Um uh but it it's added that kind of I have to risk reward kind of thing that's there. Um, what if, and it's definitely added complexity, but, um, between that and the dice, I think, you know, you've, you've, you hit it, uh, Alex, that it's, it, it's needed to kind of feel like you've always got a chance, right? If it was a guarantee, this is what's going to happen. Then the outcome of the game is known pretty quickly. Um, whereas this allows for some chance and some risk to try and come back in. And those are pretty good feelings too. So. Yeah, I mean, 1.0 got to the point towards the end where it was just like, you know what the results are going to be and all this kind of stuff. And that really took away a lot of the execution of the game. So you, you can see what happens when this game already had something that was a lot of like guaranteed, you know, TLT shots and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super happy they moved away from that. Yeah. All right. So our average, though. Corey came out at 3.9. Alex came out at 3.5 complexity, and I came out at 3.3 complexity. So we're between a three and a four um, in complexity rating. So that would be what between a six and and uh, six and, and an eight, roughly, in complexity, if you had to rate it on some crazy scale. Now, you're going to ask me, why did I go through all this? Why did we just spend 20 minutes going through all these different features? And the reason I say that is because now we're going to talk about archetypes. We're not going to actually get into lists tonight. We don't have enough time to do that. We are just going to get into the archetypes that we define. Now, here's the deal, guys. I have six archetypes that we kind of fleshed out. If you have another archetype, you are welcome to throw it on the list, and we could talk about it um, in the same manner. Um, as we have before. And the reason we talked about the archetype features, right, is because we want to understand when we look at different types of lists, how does all those fit into it, right? And when we talk about the reason that we did the rating is because if we say the complexity rating is a three point, let's just say 3.5 out of five, and your list comes in and we start rating lists and we go, okay, well, based on perceptual elaborateness and rules elaborateness, is this list easy to fly? And again, for example, 
back in the day, you could fly five Jedi Knights with CLT. And that was the only upgrade I think you could take on those. You could fly five of them. And the rules were very, very limited <laughs> for those because you, you, you just flew. You had a force suspend if you wanted to take a second action, like the booster barrel, or you, you know, you, you saved it for offense or defense, right? And like, it was very basic. Um, whereas you could nowadays, you can't run that list anymore. Unfortunately, that was actually one of my favorite. That's what got me into Republic was that specific list. I literally own like six Jedi <laughs> just, just cause I like that list so much. Um, and Matt, oh man, Matt hated when I ran that list. He hated that list when I flew that against it. He's like, I don't know how you get these bullseyes all the time. I was like, well, you got to put them on a little different angles and then run them in a swarm. And it worked really well to run those things in a swarm on different angles, even though you're not supposed to run Jedi in a swarm. But I'll tell you what, it could pick apart like one or two ships very quickly. That CLT is just totes my goats, just off the charts good. Anyway, the idea is, is when we talk about these list archetypes, right, we have to have some sort be able to give these things different ratings, right? Because when we talk about new players coming into the game or players that want an easier experience, we want to be able to go, okay, this salad list type in this faction equals this type of a ranking and it's easier than this, you know? Um, and then we could talk about how it features with how each of the different features rank. And then, then that's how you can help somebody define what do they want to invest their money in. At some point, we're going to get great starter kits, supposedly, until then, we don't know what's in them. We don't know what's coming. We don't know how they're going to build it. So this is going to be a way that we are going to be able to use and the segments you can give to your friends that just started playing X-Wing to help them define how they want to invest their money into X-Wing so they don't spend $1,000 like I did the first year they started playing um, X-Wing, which don't tell my wife I spent that much, but that's what I spent my first year. was like $1,000 buying everything. That was how I got into the game. I'm sure I'm farther in debt than that now. I mean, I for Christ's sake, I own two. I literally own two gauntlets. So I'm I don't know anybody else that owns two gauntlets other than me. And I think I'm the only faction that fly can fly two good gauntlets. We'll put it that way. All right. So let's get into list archetypes. And Corey, I'm gonna give you the first pick. You could pick one out of those six or We'll do like the the white elephant gift exchange. You can add another list archetype, and we can define it. Which would you like? Well, I'll add one later once we define these. Okay. So uh, I'll take salad because it's it's yeah. Give me salad. <laughs> Give me salad. I got a lot to say about that. Yeah, yeah. That's All right. Well, I'll like go. Right, I'll, I'll, run. I'll, I'll take beef. Um, so uh, my second favorite uh, is is probably beef. Um, in that I like to have some ships in my list that um, aren't going to just wither away. Uh, you know, I'm not a droid <laughs> player. Um, and so I'm looking for ships with the beef side of things that, um, you know, can do lots of stuff. Uh, you know, you mentioned being able to maybe have multiple mods, have force crew on, on you know, like crew cards that give them extra ability. A lot of the Lando uh, Han stuff that we talked about, um, the arcs in uh, Republic right now, I would say are definitely beef ships. Like they can just say, I don't, I'm not going to take an action and you aren't going to kill me this first round usually. Um, so um, I look at ships in that beef list 
Um, or the list itself can be beefy just because it spreads around damage, right? So you're not able to just wipe something off the board. Um, Rebels, just you know, are are pretty known for that for having that beef. Um, and really, it feels like scum right now with the two ship and and Canaan is is a small ship count, but a very beefy type list where it just takes a ton of uh, ships or attacks to take that list down before it starts to lose its capabilities is kind of how I think. Yep. And that's kind of, that's kind of what we, we had put there. It's, it's, it's closer. It's close to an ACE build, which we haven't talked about yet, but it has some, some consistency with an ACE build, except for usually has the medium and large base piece to it or pieces that have a lot of help. Um, back in the day when you could run shield and hull upgrade on a T70, um, that I would I would all of a sudden consider that I would not normally consider an X-wing a beef ship, but when you can run a shield and a hull upgrade to give it two extra health, that's a beef ship to me. Yeah. Um, can't do that anymore, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, they actually that's probably good. We can't do that anymore because Corey discovered that and nobody else is flying that. Um, and I just can't even imagine trying trying to kill them anyway. Um, but but to kind of go back to the list, essentially will have um a lot more loadout value. There's going to be a higher loadout value to it. Um, which will allow you to to maximize what Corey was saying with the extra mods, um, the complex or intricate um, abilities that it has, and will work very well, you know, being able to um, have great engagement um, with some of the other ships. Anything else you want to add, Alex, to the beef discussion? I, I feel like beef has a lot to do with, uh, like, efficiency in terms of health um, to, like, whatever whatever you're doing um it's just like u-wings uh, for example are incredibly efficient ships and they're kind of a pain to kill just because they are a little bit beefy mm -hmm. and you know you, you're not gonna one round them they have eight health behind two dice so it's like well, what are you gonna do to analysts you know uh so that's just health efficiency i think is really big in beef ships I would to go with that, Alex. I would say also, uh, I would say they tend to have a lower initiative, and usually very same initiative is often kind of a thing that that initiative three four, I feel like is a very beef centered initiative band, um, is a is something to to often see it. Not doesn't always have to be that way. Um, but that's definitely uh, a trait that I tend to see in that is is not not the fives and sixes, right? But also like um, there's like I can't I don't know is relative beef kind of a thing I don't know but like the uh, the the boy like mauler the boy tie fighters they have four hull behind mm -hmm. three agility so they're beefier than tie fighters. I wouldn't say they're like beefy ships, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, like, would you take, you know, Wampa with four hull over Wampa with three hull? Yeah, of course. Right. But it's just, they have the high agility, like the higher the agility, the lower, like your total health can be and still be like a beefier kind of ship. So I think, get out. yeah, eventually I've got an extra archetype to add to this, but I think also, you know, in the end, we're going to see that that you almost want these six stats on your underneath your list that you make, and then you're kind of ranking these 
it's not necessarily one or all, right? Like you can have a mix of the two or a mix of three or, or whatever it is. Uh, a swarm can be beefy if you're talking about four health TIE fighters that are behind behind three agility that just live forever. So. All right. Well, let's go to the next art type that we have here. And we have you. We'll give it to Alex. Alex wanted to do salad lists. This is almost exclusively what I play because this is what I've been doing basically my whole life. Like a salad list or like a, a toolboxy kind of list is what I always called them. They're uh, just a wide variety of, of different ships with different abilities that you try to like uh, raise your floor as much as you can, but like the ceiling's not like super high. It's somewhere kind of in between. It's, it's a generalist kind of thing. Like... Uh, like the Republic list I fly, right? It's like a, a very maneuverable CLT Jedi, but it's like a lad that's just a support piece. And then you'll have like an arc that is generally beefier. And then you'll get like spike damage from proton torpedoes and a Y wing or, or rockets from a Z95. So it's kind of all over the place, but it lets you cover as much like ground as you can. Uh, and I think generally these are probably other than like aces might be the hardest kind of to fly because you have to recognize at any given moment what like your best uh, path to to victory is. And that, that if you get that wrong, your whole list might just fall apart. And I, we had an episode based on like um, redundant season lists and all that kind of stuff, but don't listen to it. It's, it was really old. <laughs> yeah so we basically kind of said that the list contains four or more chassis types it's designed to be flexible to cover the majority of the scenarios and other archetypes it does not excel at any one objective but it's not particularly weak against any objective it's i think the easiest way to put that right is it's mid-tier right it's it's ceiling is a high in terms of how you have to fly and how it works together. But in terms of the synergy of it, it has a mid-tier synergy. It's not going to be like running Obi-Annie together, um, where they just defeat each other. And again, I guess I'm making references for new players that maybe not don't, don't know. <laughs> um, but Annie, Obi have pilot abilities that interact with each other when they fly, right? And so your, your salad lists typically don't always have specific abilities but they are what i would call like a specialized construction and they typically don't have um they either have a wide net of what they want to accomplish or a very tight net of what they want to accomplish but not really ever anything between and they have the ability to meet those goals decently easily if you fly it right right so if you fly it correctly it will meet the goals that it sets. It's very good at meeting whatever goal it sets. Um, and if that goal is I need to ionize and then kill, it does that. If it is I want to make Django fly through a rock, if he kills my Obi-Wan, um, <clears throat> then it does that. And then he still loses. Um, and, and uh, you know, so, so it has the ability to have um, a, a whole lot of different things. And, and I always consider the salad category kind of like my 
Um, which is weird that we call it a salad because like to me, like fried rice tastes better and feels more like what a salad list is because it has the complexity of taste um, and has a lot of really cool, amazing things and isn't just a bunch of leafy green stuff. But again, salads can be very complex. So um, I just like fried rice better because yeah. I probably you can see it in me as well. So just throw one more thing out there. I, I mean, my list I fly right now is two T70s, an A-wing, a fireball, and a pod in resistance. Um, and I would say not only is it a mix of chassis, I would say most of the time I see them, it's a mix of initiative because typically you're picking of those different sh chassis, you're picking the most uh, useful of that chassis over its initiative. So my initiatives are two, three, four, and two fives. Um, you know, it's almost as broad as you can possibly get. I don't give a crap about my initiatives when I'm flying unless I need an I-5 or I need a particular initiative to fit in there as part of the salad. But I'm not so bent on what the initiative are as what the ships can do as being a, what are they offering that salad, right? And the reason I think the salad is fits is because people like different types of things. Like you put nuts in yours, you put bacon in yours, you put different types of cheese and it's, it's what can you fit in the bowl uh, is kind of the idea with all these different ingredients and they're massive different flavors, massive different ways you can go with them. Um, but I do think over a lot of lists, um, salads have the most variety of, of uh, initiatives along with chassis, which I think makes them also more difficult to fly uh, because you're trying to kind of keep things near each other because they do usually, at least a group of them usually like to feed off of each other. Um, but on top of that, uh, try not to smash into each other. So tis demanded by the gods it is uh, <laughs> i think you really not wanting me to come back on this show <laughs> all i can think about though is my happy place is in one of the books jar jar is a homeless vagabond at a fountain oh after all this and that makes me so happy that that's what he became Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> I think one more thing about salad lists is that their ships they bring can also fulfill multiple roles. Mm. And it depends on what your opponent brings for what you're going to do with them. Like, for example, Obi-Wan, you can use them as a support piece to mm -hmm. regenerate the, the focus tokens that your other ships are using. Or you can use them as an ace to arc dodge. He's very good at that. Or if you have like a seven fleet gunner, you can use them as like the hammer in your list. So it's all kind of depending on how you approach the situation, different ships can fulfill different roles in it. You know, arcs are just as good as on offense as they are, you know, being medium based blockers or, you know, going for the objective. Like they're, they're big, they can hang around, they won't die immediately. So. I think Fair that's enough. a big important part of the salad list. Yeah. Basically, I put one piece of each of the different pies. So it's when you go to Thanksgiving, you don't just have pumpkin pie. You don't just have raspberry pie. 
you don't just have key lime pie. You have a little bit of each. Because if you have a full slice of each, you end up like me. Um, not saying I have... Actually, I don't really like pie that much, except for key lime and raspberry. But anyway. All right. So I'm going to talk about swarm archetypes. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to change JJ's uh, five or more ships. I still am not in agreement with five ships. is, is not a swarm to me. Um, to me, a swarm contains six or more ships of the same chassis or very similar chassis um, that run in formation. So now that we've moved into 2.5, it's a little bit different. You could have two or three of one chassis, two or three of another chassis, but they do similar type things. They can share similar type tokens. Um, they interact very well with each other and they create a what I would call either a wall or a mini wall. Um, of ships to murder you. Um, they have great coverage of specific areas of the board that they're in um, because of their sheer numbers, and they can essentially eliminate things pretty quickly um, unless you start murdering all of them. Um, they do decently well at objectives because they have the ability to um, help each other. They have the ability to cover ground. Um, they're valued very low, typically, um, you're not going to have six X-Wings in a list. That would be insane to me. I used to be able to run five X-Wings in a list, by the way, um, back in the day. Uh, the list does have, uh, it does suffer once you start having to break it apart. So once you write, let's, let's say you take a Y-Wing and you ram right into the center of a swarm and they have to sparse out to dissipate. Um, afterwards, they become less effective as they um, go on to each other area they also suffered a concentrated fire um one of the big things i feel for swarms though is they have the ability to do objectives mo almost all the objectives in the game without too great a suffering um at the beginning of the game towards the end of the game swarms typically um die off and and, and i think of it kind of as a it's similar to an Alpha Strike aspect. Alpha Strikes get X amount of missiles. Once their missiles are gone, they're not quite as effective. Swarms are not as effective once you start losing ships. Um, in 2.5, we typically see uh, mini swarms with other, with like one other support ship. Um, you could run, I don't know, four pods and a Falcon and like a, I don't know, stupid, uh, what is, what do we call that? Uh, I can't remember the name of that other ship. Uh, fireball. There we go. You can run like a bunch of pods and a fireball and a falcon and kind of support it that way. That would be what we would call like a mini swarm that's used with a support piece. So 2.5 changed how swarms work <laughs> a little bit, um, which is fine. But they because of that, you still, if you have a net set of ships that like to stay together and perform actions together, um, and are very close in initiative and type and upgrades. Uh, that's what I would consider a swarm. Anyone else? Oh, okay. Um, I would agree with the six ships because I, if I'm bringing like five ship Republic, I wouldn't consider that a swarm. Like my mm. list is five ships. Like a lot doesn't, it's not going to be there. Um, so I, I do agree with the six and yeah, swarms are, they're in an odd 
place right now because of objectives. Um, they're they're in a very much different spot than they were in two point Because uh, I'm just thinking of like vultures and hyenas, right? Before that, you can just kind of sit on a rock, try to you know maneuver around there, make sure you can get people in in nets and stuff, which is what swarms are really good at. You know, concentrated fire, um, just having uh, it makes it arc dodging very difficult. It's very, very difficult to arc dodge an entire swarm and still also get like shots. But with the objectives, it's a little bit weird because you can still score points without directly engaging them. So I think this is uh, kind of falling off favor uh, as the game progresses in the in the current state it is. Corey, thoughts on swarms? I think it's um, of the of the list. I'd say aces and this one, which we'll get to aces, uh, are very dice um, variants dependent. Um, you know, you can with a swarm, it can feel like it can live forever, and you keep shooting that tie fighter or that whatever, you know, three or four times, and it never dies, and then. Uh, there's times when they just pop, 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 and you're like, okay, that, that I'm done. Um, so dice dependent can be uh, a big issue. And I think complexity, to be honest, uh, of the list there, aces and swarms share the same thing of complexity to fly. Um, if you're going to stay in formation and really work towards you know, how do all these ships work together, especially if there are some different initiatives in there. Um, that's one thing I've always uh, tried to stay away from is formation flying. Like Jess Pava, I think is a great ship, but uh, I don't want another ship at range one of her. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I know where my strengths are and where I want to put my effort and, and trying to figure out that close of, of flying is not something that's enjoyable to me. Um, so I think swarms definitely are um, high uh, complexity to fly, in my opinion. All right. Yeah, especially with like the new bumping rules and all that stuff. Yeah. Where if you accidentally hit yourself, you might start damaging your pieces, and that's not what you need in the swarm at all. That especially when you're to me. three health. That's <laughs> that's a big chunk. Thirty-three and a half percent of your list, basically. All right, Corey, which one do you want next? We have Alpha Strikes and Aces and Control left. Um, I'll take Aces. Okay. Uh, I've I've played around with these and and uh, um, you know, Cody. Uh, I, I know you're familiar with with those. Uh, Alex, uh, his flying. Um. But Aces, you know, is is really um, is I think has been the list that suffered the most in 2.5, in my opinion. Um, and uh, there are still people like Cody who Cody Wood who fly these. Um, but uh, it's in my opinion very much like spread out. Um, you know, you're spread across your whole board edge, and you're picking and choosing and kind of risking. It's a high risk reward of when do you when do you engage, when do you pull back, when do you run. Um, every maneuver uh, is critical. 
um, more so than even with the swarms. You know, one mistake could mean you're just done. And uh, there's not an easy way to come back from that when you've got three ships, for instance, uh, on the board. So um, I think it's a very thrilling, exciting thing to, to play. Uh, and to be honest, uh, if you have ace versus ace, I think it's a great way for new people to learn to play the game, actually. It's, it's fewer ships on the table. They get to do some fun maneuvers and, and kind of really focus on the dogfighting side of things. Um, but, uh, aces are typically high initiative, um, usually have a lot of things they can do repositioning as a key part of aces in order to be able to, uh, you know, try and arc dodge and, and get into position. Um, and multi mods is also very, very important to, you know, aces for both defense or heavily modifying their offense to be able to, um, make a kill shot and, kind of remove what we talked about earlier was that um the randomness right like you you don't want randomness when you're with aces if possible um i think you got to kind of know your math a little bit too so like is it worth me taking this token or this token a focus versus an evade range three do i boost out you know what's what's my risk here um you've constantly got to be looking at that kind of stuff unless you're some I, there are some crazy people who just fly aces in the middle and just hope for the best. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a little crazy. Um, and you I will have a three health F lag. <laughs> yeah. My tri fighter. Can you kill it? I got an evade and calculate. And I think because of that, I, I will just go ahead and throw in there the aces plus mini swarm. That's why I think that archetype has risen as a very strong archetype. And that's the one I was kind of talking about since we've hit both aces and swarm. That's become a very powerful archetype because all your eggs are not in one basket. You're able to, to do kind of the things the salad list does, but you get the thrill of having an ace and you get the, the swarm or beef uh, in a sense uh, of that main force. So um that's my one of my favorite archetypes actually is is ace plus mini swarm but um so yeah if you have finn in your list finn is not part of a swarm i'm just <laughs> gonna like openly state this right here for the whole show you cannot uh, have a mini swarm with finn in it hmm. what if he brings three other pods well two you can't, can't. you can't if you could <laughs> then i would consider it but you, you can only bring three because there's only three of them that right. exist and Three does not consist of a mini swarm. It's you said similar are similar ships, right? Two agility. A T seventy is pretty similar to a pod. No, it's, it's not. Two agility. A wings <laughs> are pretty small. Pods are pretty small. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Um, I'd say resistance is just all swarm. All right. Aces consist. We define it as consisting of the high initiative um, with some sort of a coordinator to help um, with additional mods and focuses on repositioning, outmaneuvering. They excel on one-on-one engage, engage, engagements. Um, they have, but they suffer with objective play per se. Um, they're not as good at it, except for they're very good at assault when you eliminate the one ship that's confronting you by the objective and you just happen to get the extra objective because nobody else is around because you murdered them um so i actually think they do decently well in assault if played right um for it 
And, and so traditionally we're seeing aces typically because they cost more, right? So they're going to have high loadout and they're going to, um, they're going to have high loadout and, and they're going to be, have a high, what, what do they call it? What, what is it? What is the first number? It's loadout points and squad points, squad points. Um, and low ship show and low ship quantity typically because of that. Yes. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of how I define aces. Do you have anything else you wanted to add Alex before we move to the next one? Yeah, I think um, it's very important for aces that have some form of passive modding. I know we already hit it a little bit for coordination, but like if you look at like Soon Fell, the classic ace ship, he gets that free focus. That's what really pushes him up to the aces. Um, 7B Anakin has the force. Uh, Kylo and the Silencer has the force. You need some sort of, you can't just arc dodge people because you're not going to do enough damage and you're paying a lot of prices for the aces right now so it's, yeah, it's, it's not uh, like 2.0 right where you could just run in get half points and run away right mm-hmm. and i think I you're seeing the, oh go ahead alex sorry i was gonna say with the objectives it does spread out people's lists more so it's less safe spots for aces to uh find just naturally just by the objective play themselves because someone has to be by the objective for assault and like your opponent will be splitting their list, which you would think would be pretty good for aces, but that means they can collapse in on you much easier. Yeah. I was going to say, it's really hard to find an ace without force. You look at uh, the difference between like Von Reg and any of the, you know, even an Obi and a CLT Jedi uh, I'd take Obi, I think. You know, just because Aunt Von Reg doesn't have those passive mods typically, he's got to do stuff in order to get them, uh, and that means you block him, and and he's a normal ship. Um, whereas if you have the force, you kind of double modded, you're double this, um, and you can go wherever you want to typically. So, all right, Alex, you want one of the next ones? Yeah, I'll do control. I played a lot of those. Robots at the end of 1.0. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately one of my favorite lists. And I've always played like quad jumpers and everything. But control. Um, that's just ships that, that mess with your opponent. Like to take away their agency, I guess, is a popular phrase for X-Wing. Uh, things like ions where you're, you know they're going to do a one-speed maneuver. It's going to be one straight or a one bank. Um, tractor beams where you can reposition their ships. That's huge. Tractor beams used to be the most broken thing in X-Wing. Um, but now that you can rotate and stuff like that is a little bit different. But still reducing someone's agility, still forcing them to be moved somewhere, still ionizing people, still... Um, I would have like debuffing things. I would I would consider for control, so it'd be like uh, hitting something with a mag pulse. You jam them and you deplete them. So uh, jamming people, denying their actions like that, denying their mods, it goes back to the randomness we were talking about. If you don't have those kinds of mods, you don't reduce your your randomness. You don't have control over that, and that's what you're taking away with these control type lists. Um, I mean, you saw it with uh, FO bombers with chaff clouds a lot. 
you know, denying people action, stressing people out, giving them jams, and um, just, yeah, strains and depletes. Got Clone Commander Cody. You know, if you miss, you give them a strain. They're easier to hit. And uh, that, that part, that, that <laughs> pure control lists are, you don't see them much in 2.5, but having two or three aspects of control on your list generally performs really well. So we essentially defined it as typically composed of ships that can control the opponent's list by using status effects like ion tractors or jamming to reduce their efficiency of that opposing list. So basically everything you said um, before, Alex. And so this one, so I want to admit, when I first walked into X-Wing, control style play was what I wanted to play. It's not so much anymore. I kind of moved into the swarms, but control was what I played when I played Star Wars Destiny. And I say that because I used to play, I used to be the guy that played mill decks. I liked <laughs> mill decks and people hate mill decks with a passion. When I go, oh, you're going to discard that card. Oh, you can't attack me because I'm going to discard that dice. Oh, by the way, I want you to take three of the cards and put them in your graveyard so you can never use them again. Oh, I'm going to pick this card and tell you you can't use it this round, but you can use it next round, unless I have a card that gets rid of it next round, and then you're going to get pissed about that. People hate mill decks with a passion. Like, But that's my that was my favorite uh, deck type. I did like rolling a lot of dice, so like there was a Palpatine where you basically could put like free upgrades on him, and like Palpatine got more health the more upgrades he got. So he started with like, I don't know, I think it was nine health or ten health. And it, every upgrade added one health to him. So if you could play four four cards in a round just to give them, you just gave that guy four health. It didn't matter how much they attacked you. You could still negate the damage. And they just keep adding upgrades. And then by the end, you're rolling a brick of dice. <laughs> you just stick, just stick 20 dice and roll them out on the table. People hated that as well. Um, But to me, the control list, Um, the, the one thing JJ didn't put in here is bombs, right? Bombs are a huge piece of control, and they are Corey's favorite part of this game is bombs. Corey loves when I run proxy mines on all of my shit. Yeah, all my shit. <laughs> Especially Eamon. Eamon is probably my actually my favorite pilot in the whole game in standard because Eamon can like three hard bombs, and nobody likes that. And I, I will tell you how many times I've hit multiple ships with a proxy and then you just decide who you want. Um, so when I walked into, I don't feel control lists operate the same way as mill decks do. I really genuinely wish AMG would do that though. That is the top desire for me is a way to create some sort of a mill effect in X-Wing. But they'll probably never do that. No. <laughs> is it'll enrage every X-Wing player in the world. <laughs> so, Three things to kind of add to this control, and and typically I would say control lists are what you, you're talking about here, but I think there's three things to me that you can do with a list to give it control elements that aren't the typical control. Um, one of them is, is, is size or quantity and taking up board space and denying where your opponent can go uh, just physically, right? Like you're saying, hey, I... You, I'm going to 
take over this whole center and you're going to bump me and you're going to stay there and you can't go anywhere. Right. Like arcs are really good at doing that. Uh, medium base ships, um, large base ships can do that sometimes of just dropping in the middle and like, you can't go here. Um, Sicko is very good at that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you yeah, haven't noticed totally. that Sicko just be able to side slip like that is right. And it, and you can deny your opponent from going someplace that they think they, you know, they want to go. Um, another thing that you can do is um, I used to run a bunch of HLC uh, on T seventies and it's one of those things where you're like, why are you putting an HLC on a low initiative ship? Well, no one, it doesn't matter what initiative you are. No one wants to be in your bullseye. And if you force an opponent to move um, out of your bullseye into a different area of the board, they're either wasting an action or stressing themselves to do that <laughs> or making tactical maneuvers they wouldn't want to do. So if you're one of those things where you put three T-70s with, with HLC in the front lines, no one is going to want to be in front of you. So they're going to do everything they can. You're forcing your opponent to make kind of subpar maneuvers that they may not want to do typically. Um, and then the third thing I would say is there are lists that kind of force you to shoot certain ships because you don't want to shoot others, right? And and you're kind of you're forcing your opponent's target priority with like a, a Dengar or uh, a notorious uh, Manaru or something like that. No one wants to shoot those ships um, or a, a double reinforced Doctor Afra with fifteen thousand focus tokens. Um, like what? I was stupid to shooting at it. It, it did work, but <laughs> it shouldn't have. Um, you know, so you're you're basically telling your opponent, don't shoot this ship, shoot this little two-point or three-point ship because you don't want to deal with the consequences or you, you want to actually do damage. And so those are hints of control in a very different way, but you are still, you know, changing how your opponent plays the game. Um and then another, you know, like so. It's it's not always the take a strain, take a stress, uh, do this kind of thing. And I will mention, X-wing players are very bad against bombs. Yes. Terrible against bombs. They always get hit by bombs. I don't get it. Bombs are very good at controlling things, especially something like proxy mines where you can fill in lanes, or you know, reposition yourself so you do drop it next round. That's they have to think about that and if they want to be behind you kind of thing. So, All right. So let's go on to the last one before we add our own, if we have any more. And those should go pretty quickly. Um, alpha strikes are pretty basic to me. Um, the list contains ships that carry some sort of an ordinance that can strike um, typically at a... At a out at a farther range to deny the range bonus so uh, like plasma torpedoes proton torpedoes are big ones um they have an attempt to eliminate enemies as quick as possible they essentially prioritize engagement and con versus concentrating on objective play um these lists are here to um hit you and kill you and then move on to the next target and typically they they an alpha strike will have at least one ship that it will create some 
some sort of control effect, um, such as jamming, you know, like on a higher initiative, um, so that the rest of the torpedoes can hit harder. Wes Jansen is a really um, big pilot in Rebels, that, and I think it's a slept-on pilot sometimes. Uh, we aren't seeing a lot of Wes Jansen hit the table right now, um, and I'm predicting in Worlds we will see that, that people are just holding that back. Um, but Wes Jansen is, is, is huge. So your Alpha Strike is not always just going to have a million munitions. It's also going to cr- have some sort of control piece um inside of it and like one of the big things like i always see hera as a big enabler right like so we used to be hera b-wing um but now it's more hera a-wing and essentially a hera air wing air wing a-wing is it has the ability to be able to pass her focus or evade off you know so that you can have a double modded shot so think of wedge flying in having reducing your agility by one and then saying i'm going to throw four dice at you and then on top of throwing four dice at you I'm going to have my target lock so I can re-roll. I'm going to get Harris focused, so I'm going to be double modded, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Um, and my droids do not like Alpha Strike lists at all. They hate them with a passion. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned Hera. I think another one that, that I, I I associate with Alpha list 100% is, of course, on Rebel, is Kraken. Uh, I think Kraken is... is one of those ships that you see as a high initiative, low cost support ship that you don't care if it dies eventually because you want it to to take hits versus your other ships uh, and double modding someone else, right? That's all you, with Alpha Strikes, you want double mods, uh, high dice, double mods, punch things in the face at high initiative. Yeah, so essentially you're, you're talking about having a control slash support piece that is almost as highly aggressive as any other one. Mm -hmm. And and Kraken's exactly like that. Kraken at an I-5 with plasma torpedoes is really good. Kraken with cluster missiles at I-5 is very good. Um, You know, being able to give that action after you shoot is just... Just don't jam Kraken. Kraken doesn't like being jammed. (laughs) I guess that's the one thing Kraken doesn't like. If you see Kraken, jam Kraken because he hates being jammed um but essentially your support piece your control piece that comes along with it is also a somewhat aggressive piece that is adding to your list actually almost in a contrary point fen rao and the sheath of pete i think is just such a perfect alpha strike enabler because he got the i6 coordinate typically he has k2so which gives a double mod to someone else and he has that control uh ability where he can deny modification coming in and I, I think he's if I'm going to make a rebel alpha list it will have Fen Rao in there it's so strong and you know having some sort of like high initiative high attack dice double mods are the most critical thing you can have like you're front loading all your offense in order to attempt a win just up front uh, that if things start getting back in the scrum your list probably isn't as good in that also Corey, have you played against a wes jansen as finn a you know what how terrible henson as finn pod because that yes. is the worst experience you can have as a finn pod player i've played 
I'm pretty sure you guys were running that at uh, Rust Cup. Yeah. So yeah, that was not a <laughs> that was not fun. So you spend your focus for defense, and then you have none anymore. Yeah, I did find out Fen Rao does not like two range one shots from Fen Pod though. I wasn't flying them. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. So, anything else for Alpha Strikes? Hmm. All right. So now we kind of move into the last piece of it is do we have any additional ship types that we want to talk about? Archetypes, sorry. I think I think the big thing here is is you heard both of us kind of talking about uh I think mixing these archetypes, right? And and it's aces with many swarm or swarm with control or uh in this alex mentioned uh, alpha strike with a, a control piece um you know we we he and i both fly salad list most of the time so they kind of have almost all of this stuff usually in there in some way um maybe maybe not always beef and swarm but uh we typically have a lot of the stuff mixed into our list, so it can do parts of these things. But um, I think it's there's lists are, in my opinion, more interesting when they start to combine these things um, and and become much stronger because of it. So we're going to define. I'm going to call it dual combination. I guess like, dual class, know. right? <laughs> dual class. There, you, I actually that's what we're going to call it. I like that better. I we're going to go back up, back that train up. Dual class archetype list. So we're going to essentially define that as having two specific archetypes mixed within the list building. Uh, so they will have has has the sorry I'm doing this on the fly so you get to see me like working in tandem. So they're, essentially they're going to have the ability to take two pieces and put them together and create one weird, unique dual headed monster. Maybe we should call it that instead dual headed monster. <laughs> sure. Um, but essentially these, these, this specific class will have the ability to take two pieces, put them together and they will take, we'll just say some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses from each of the lists. But we won't consider it a salad because it's only taking two types and focusing aggressively on these two types. So I think you you mentioned the, the swarm and like a mini swarm and an ace is a big one um, that we would define that would be. I would also consider a a beef and a swarm list, uh, like kind of a combo between the two of those. Typically, you'll you could see two swarm or two beef lists. And then some mini swarms. Um, I've actually ran that before, not to any good effect, but I have ran that before. Um, and essentially, you're going to have, um, you would have the ability to focus on different types of scenario play with each of their abilities. Sound fair? Mm-hmm. All right. Any other, any other class types that we want to define? Classic archetypes we want to define that we may have missed. 
Yeah, I can't really think of too many that's not just like some sort of weird off uh, thing that no one does. <laughs> okay. Like an objective nope. only kind of list. I don't know what, what you'd even call that, but you shouldn't be running it anyway. So, <laughs> so fair enough. So what we're going to do is we're going to, for this segment, we're going to wrap this part of the series up tonight. So that was part one of our list building archetype series. Cause excuse me, we've got at least six more coming. <laughs> and Corey will be a part of the Jar Jar. I mean, that's what I need is I need somebody to make me a Jar Jar Binks t-shirt to piss Corey off at, at you, locals. You've seen that, that art of the clone trooper punching Jar Jar that, no. Oh, I love that piece so much. Quality art. Very wait till we get Jar Jar in the game. I can't wait till somebody brings Jar Jar into And the I game. will burn it. I hope it's as awesome as FinPod so that that way you either have to run it or have to see it on the table all over the place. Maybe I'll bring a little Lego Jar Jar. I think I have one. You're just pushing too many buttons now. <laughs> I hate Lego figures on my, on my stuff. I love it. And shout out to D. Thank them very much for giving me a Grievous uh, character to run on my ship. I actually run it on my Aflax right now because I'm not running Grievous. But uh, for Worlds, I will be putting it on my on my Grievous when I run Grievous at Worlds. So just to make everybody happy. Anyway, if you like this part of the show, we have more of this series coming up over the upcoming weeks. I will not commit that we'll do this every week, but we will be doing this at least every other week. Um, where we will be talking about the archetypes and how it is. At the end of it, what I do is I typically create an individual video with an intro and everything for all of them and put them all together. If you want, you can go back and check out our Academy 101 Chess Wing series, uh, and that will kind of give you our analysis on how X-Wing is like chess and what all the different pieces and kind of flow in together as well. With that being said, we are going to wrap up for tonight. We went, I don't even know how long we went for because we started so late. So hopefully uh, y'all were entertained um, and hopefully Corey didn't stay up too late tonight um, and we can all get up early for work tomorrow. Thank you, Corey, for joining us tonight. If you want to check out, Corey does a lot of the artwork for GSP, Hexile, um, well, you. You for me, Fly <laughs> Better, Um I don't know most of the other podcasts. So Corey is the local resident artist. Um, that so when you see an amazing design, typically Corey has done it for somebody. No, and thank you. And 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 then Alex is from the Bench Warmers podcast. We have their link in the description. If you would like to, you are welcome to head over to their show and support them. Uh, they actually just released an episode this week. Um, which is, that's crazy. Like we had two episodes <laughs> in a row, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, they're, we, we try to produce content, like decent content, I hope. I so. just, I'm in your podcast right now, so yeah, listening to it. So. Either which way, thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week, Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, and I do promise you all we will actually be back on Sunday uh, this week because I do not have to travel for hockey uh, at all this week, so we will be having the episode this week at 9 p.m. We are not going to do our Bad Batch cover tonight. Um, we are going to wait uh, to do our Bad Batch review probably until this weekend. I figured it seemed silly to do it when in three hours the new one's coming out. We can just cover both of them next Sunday. With that being said, thank you all. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week Sunday.
See ya. Yeah, take care.